As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. Today we talked with Andrew Dumont, entrepreneur in residence at Betaworks and former business development at Moz. He was also the co-founder of Stride CRM, a app that he ended up selling to Heaton Shah and Neil Patel. What do you think, Joey? I thought this was really interesting. You know, we always hear people who um, have quit their jobs or their goal is to quit their jobs to pursue their um, app or their side project full time. And here you've got a story about someone who was doing such cool and challenging things at his full-time job over at Moz that he actually sold um, his side project, which was growing in revenue and doing really well. And he has great reasons for it. Really interesting to hear a different side of that story. We also got into the difference of or difference between business development and sales. 
and talked about the way that he balanced his time when he was working nights and weekends on Stride and during the day at Moz. It's a really great talk. Enjoy. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash RocketShip to get 20% off three months. We'd also like to thank Envision app. Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to customer.io slash rocketship to start sending emails that convert. So I, uh, I've kind of been a, uh, a startup junkie for, for quite a while. Um, I uh, did my first startup when I was uh, about 18. Uh, I'm 26 now, so I've I'm, I'm been, you know, been doing it for a little, bit while, uh, a little while. And uh, yeah, I just kind of have, have fell in love with, with the process of, of building companies. So I've uh, been a part of Moz and Seismic. I'm now at, at Betaworks as an entrepreneur in residence and uh, have done a few other uh, projects along the way. So, uh, yeah, I've just kind of been, been, been doing, building, growing uh, startups for quite a while. And while you've been working at uh, some of these other companies, you've been building things of your own on the side, right? That's right. Can you talk a little bit about how you are able to balance that? Because I think everybody knows how much work it is. And we all have side projects that we work on, but you were able to turn your side project into a really legitimate money-making business and actually sold it. Can you tell us how you were able to manage that? Yeah, well, I mean, like any side project, I, I, I didn't really go into it with the intention of, of doing that. So, you know, it, it really started with an own frustration that, that I had. So the, the product that, that we built was called, uh, called Stride. And, and, you know, we, we used a, uh, you know, I think we used Salesforce and some other tools internally, and they were just really clunky and, uh, and difficult to manage. And we, we just needed something really, really simple uh, to manage uh, deal flow in a, in a business development capacity. So, you know, we kind of built something for, you know, our, our, our own use. And, you know, like, like most good side projects, uh, once it kind of solved our problem pretty well, we decided, okay, you know, why don't we why don't we make this public and, and see what happens with it? So, so yeah, we, you know, we, we put it out there, we put a price tag on it from day one and, you know, got a good uh, initial batch of customers and it, it just kind of, you know, grew and became its own thing through that whole process. So yeah, it, it kind of happened ser- uh, serendipitously and uh, yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. And then did you guys start seeking buyers for it or did they come to you? We kind of found out through the process that you know, we, we didn't really love the idea enough to, to do it full time. Um, and, you know, we all had our own individual day jobs that we, we actually really, really liked. So it really wasn't from a place of us, you know, wanting to, to leave our job and, and go independent or anything like that. We actually enjoyed what we, were, what we were doing quite a bit. So, you know, when it, when it started taking off and it was getting enough, you know, enough revenue to, to start supporting ourselves uh, independently, you know, we kind of started getting behind on future requests and, you know, keeping up with the community. And, and it, it, you know, to be honest, it kind of felt uh, inauthentic to do it as a, as a part-time uh, gig at that point. So, you know, we, you know, we really made the decision uh, at that time whether, you know, we wanted to go full-time on it or whether we, you know, should shop it around and try to find a good home for it where, you know, it would live on and the product would evolve and, and uh, the service would continue. So that's, that's actually what we did. And uh, I, I knew Neil Patel and, and, and Heaton um, uh, prior, and, uh, you know, they're amazing SaaS entrepreneurs. So uh, we got in touch with them, and they were able to br- provide a, an amazing home for it. So that's kind of how that whole process came into play. And how long were you working on Stride um, from beginning till the time that you sold it? Uh, about a year. 
a year. So during that time, I mean, I know it's difficult to balance these side projects, but did you, a lot of people I think can come home from work and code and, and build things or design things. But I'm curious how you worked with customers, even in some of those off hours in things like customer service um, and, and sales even. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was super difficult. I mean, I'm not going to, not going to lie to you and say that it was uh, very easy. I mean, the, the, you know, I had to be very self-disciplined with when I was working on Stride and when I was working on my day job. And I, I really worked very hard uh, to not let those two, you know, th- those two obligations, you know, overlap with each other. So when I was at work, you know, I made it very, very clear that, you know, I was working on work. Uh, and when I left work, uh, you know, then I would, you know, open up my email for Stride. So, you know, there was a lag, right? Like, so from a customer support standpoint, you know, there'd be times where, you know, it would take, you know, 24 hours to get back. But I always made it a point to to get back at, at the very latest within 24 hours. So it was just really drawing, you know, very definitive, very fine lines between when I was working on my day job and when I was working on my side project. And, and it was it was difficult. And some some days, you know, those lines kind of got a little bit blurrier. But yeah, you just have to be very, very, very self-disciplined. And uh, really, there was just no days off. You know, Saturdays and Sundays always was working in some capacity on, on, on Stride. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to do. So did it cross your mind to quit your job and run Stride full-time? Why was it more of a decision for you to sell it versus um, take it on full-time? Gosh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, looking back, I, I, I don't know. I just... I think it was because it, maybe I entered it not in that in that frame of mind that when we got to the you know to the amount of revenue that it really could have been a possibility to go solo on it it just it didn't really appeal to me for some reason at that time now looking back I, I may have done that actually because I, I, I you know I, I really love the idea of going independent at, at one point so uh, in my life so uh, yeah I'm not sure I, I think it was because I, I kind of entered with the, the the frame of mind of not doing that. Yeah, I don't know if that's a that's not a great answer now that I, I think about it, but uh, <laughs> at the time it, it made sense. Yeah, I can understand that definitely. I mean, we live in this world where everyone's constantly touting entrepreneurship and how amazing it is. Um, and I love doing my own thing, but I tell people all the time it's not for everybody, depend, especially depending on what your goals are. And if you're not ready to like fully take it on, I definitely understand that yeah yeah and, and you know and just, it, when you have a good thing going like it sounds like you were doing really exciting things that would have been really difficult to walk away from you weren't necessarily sitting at some boring corporate job that wasn't challenging or or anything like that yes exactly exactly um so you said that you were working saturday sunday nights holidays everything um you've written a lot about work-life balance and how there's really no such thing in this industry do you feel like that's just for you or do you really believe across the board if you want to be successful in this industry that you kind of have to give up that notion of having it all? Or was that just a sign of the times having, you know, a full-time job and a side project? Yeah, I mean, gosh, this is a it's it's kind of a controversial subject. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that I know that you know, are very, very successful entrepreneurs. And, you know, they've done an amazing job of building businesses and then delegating specific functions that kind of took the majority of their day, right? So, you know, there's a lot of people that have figured out how to do that. And I I don't think that it's a requirement to just work a ton of hours to make it. But I think at the beginning, you know, you really need to be make a conscious decision that, you know, getting to that point of potentially being able to, you know, hire people or delegate certain tasks that are taking the majority of your time, 
to get to that point, you know, I, I think you really need to make a conscious decision to really invest the time and work extremely hard uh, for some period of time. You know, I, the way I view my life, which this may be incorrect, and I, I, I bet a lot of people will disagree with this, but I kind of front load uh, my life in terms of the, how much I want to work and, and all that to, to, to my age that I'm in right now um, and where I was, you know, when I was 18. This span from now until probably, you know, mid-30s, I want to work as hard as possible and produce as much amazing stuff as, as I can. And then hopefully at that point, I'll be in a good place financially and, and uh, you know, both with my career and, and, and all that to, to kind of slow down a little bit and, and kind of make a conscious decision to, to pull the reins back a little bit. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough decision or it's a tough discussion. But uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely think to, to, to reach success, you know, I, I definitely haven't found it myself. You know, I've had a few things, but I'm, I'm not anywhere near as successful as I want to be. You know, it's, it's, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work and there's no easy way to go about it. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's part, of the, part of the deal. So how do you measure that, the success that you're working towards? Do you have something in mind that you want to achieve by 30 or is it just that you want to you know, be on the right track by that stage? You know, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely have goals, right? I have things that I want to do. Like, I'd love to write a book. I would love to do, you know, all these things. I have, you know, uh, business milestones in terms of how, how, how big and how, how strong of a business that I can build. You know, th- there's things like that that I have to c- help kind of quantify and, you know, let me know when I have reached certain things. But, you know, it's, you know, th- there's, there's no answer, right? Because uh, even when you do achieve some goal you set out to achieve, there's always another goal to, to set out to achieve, right? So, um, it's kind of an always, always evolving, uh, never ending process. So, and yeah, you know, what I'm telling myself about, you know, mid thirties or whatever it is, uh, kind of pulling back the reins, we'll see if that actually happens, but, uh, it's what I'm telling myself anyways. It, I think it's unique that you, you were working on this side project, but you were at a job that was fulfilling you to where you wanted to stay. A lot of people only talk about wanting to go the other direction. So that was at Moz, right? Yeah. And doing biz dev there. I think it was a an unconventional environment in the way that you approached it. Can you talk to that at all? Yeah. Um, so so Moz is really interesting. You know, whenever you think about SaaS, um, you know, people just kind of generally, you know, blanket SaaS under under one category, and and it, all the business models being exactly the same. But you know, at Moz, I, actually, a great comparable that I look at uh, when I talk about Moz is is Moz and HubSpot. So we were similar spaces, but HubSpot, you know, they had a, a higher price product, and you know, they invested very heavily in a sales team, right? Because uh, their whole business was was leads driven and thus uh, sales driven uh, to convert to a higher price point. Moz, on the other hand, was you know much lower price point, um, completely self service, and that's how we wanted the business to scale, and how that's how we wanted the business to grow, and that's that's how we grew that business. So you know, with the context of hey, we don't have a sales team, but we need to figure out a way to continue to grow Moz at the um, at the rate that it's growing. Um, that was my goal uh, in my function. So. Yeah, so really what I was working on was just channel development, right? So figuring out ways to work through partners to help distribute our software, you know, developing new businesses like our, our API uh, business, help, helping develop that business, you know, looking into uh, acquisitions that we made of other software products. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a very unique uh, position and, and very challenging, but it was, it was a ton of fun. So, yeah, it, it's... Uh, you know, for, for businesses that are completely self-service without a sales team, you really just need to, it, you know, it, it acts more as a marketing function um, and figuring out how to grow through, um, through, through other companies that have the same audience or a similar potential audience that you do. Do you think that changes the timeline of growth? 
Yeah, it totally does. And, you know, at, at a certain point, like, for example, when, when I uh, had just left Moz, and we're super transparent about uh, revenue numbers, so I'm not, I'm not telling anything that's, that's not publicly out there, but I believe we're, we were right around 30, um, 31, 32 million uh, a year in revenue. And prior to that, you know, we had been growing over uh, 100% every single year. And during, you know, at that scale of revenue, it's, it, it, well, it's not easy, right? But it's, it's much easier to grow at that scale of revenue. But once you get to, you know, 30 million a year, you know, doubling revenue purely on inbound, non-sales driven uh, customer acquisition, it gets harder and it gets, it's, it's more of a slog. So I think at a certain point of revenue, you almost have to kind of switch over to a sales driven model, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know, where Moz is going to go with that, but I, I know they were thinking about it. So yeah, at a certain point of revenue, it, it gets really tough to just grow on the inbound, uh, inbound channels. So tell us a little bit about the difference between a pure salesperson versus biz dev, because I know there's a lot of misunderstanding there and you've written an article that explains the difference perfectly. I'd love to hear it in your own words. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's a misconception that I think just, you know, a lot of people, I think the, the misconception actually comes from, you know, a lot of people that, that get into sales, you know, they don't want to call themselves a salesperson, not, not because there's anything wrong with sales. But I think when you, when you reach out to a client, and you, you know, you're, you're a sales professional, and that's kind of your title and your in your signature, you know, most people, you know, on the other side of that may kind of pull back a little bit and know, okay, I'm getting sold to, right? So it kind of, you know, shifts the discussion a little bit. So it seems like a lot of people have kind of, you know, brought in the business development title to kind of help remove that. So I think, I think that adds a lot to it. Um, our, our people are just kind of using that as a catch-all for anything that, it, that has some sort of outbound capacity to it. So, you know, business development, I, I think, you know, obviously there's components of sales, right? You need to be able to pitch. You need to be able to describe things in such a way that they, you know, they make sense and they're compelling. You need to, uh, you know, find the right contacts, do the right, you know, initial outreach, stuff like that, right? So, so that all exists and there's, there's definitely some overlap there. But when I think about the pure difference between the two, um, you know, sales is, is direct from the business to uh, the end customer, right? And when I think about business development, there's an intermediary step there, which is there's the, comp- there's the business, there is then the partner, and then that partner then becomes the uh, end contact to, uh, to the customers that you're looking to acquire. Basically working, you know, through partners and through, through other companies uh, to help reach your end customer instead of going to them directly. And I think it's a small, it's a small, small difference, but in the way that the, the function is practiced, it actually changes things quite a bit. And like I said, it becomes more of a marketing function um, than a sales function. So you made the transition or you, you worked at the same time at a more mature company like Moz and a brand new startup like Stride. So what translated over? from the biz dev work you were doing at Moz? Did it apply in the, the very early stage or only certain things? Yeah, it did. It did. And, and you know, it actually made me learn something about the, um, you know, the, the, the product distribution piece. So working through other um, communities or software providers, you know, Stride didn't have nearly, obviously, the, the brand that, uh, that Moz had, right? So, you know, when I would, you know, reach out to other software companies or communities to help me distribute Stride, that was a very different discussion than, than when I did that for Moz. So, you know, it, it, go, it, you know, it definitely taught me that, you know, that brand value that you create through the other inbound marketing channels, like, like content and social and, and all that stuff, not having that initial legwork done definitely makes 
the whole process, uh, you know, much more difficult. But yeah, I mean, you know, at Stride, it was it was great because I got to dabble in you know paid acquisition. I was you know running all of our our our, our paid acquisition campaigns across retargeting and you know all the um, uh, social channels as well. So you know, you got to play with stuff like that. I got to play with you know uh, helping reduce churn and and all that stuff. So I really got a more you know, full featured look at, at how to grow and scale a SaaS business, which was, you know, really what I, I was really interested in. So, uh, yeah, it, it was great. And that's one of the hardest parts of it is having all these things that you have to do and deciding what to work on that week. Right. Or that day, like, should I focus on the churn problem or should I focus on pulling new customers in? And sometimes it's really hard to justify pulling in new top of the funnel when you haven't figured out everything below. Exactly. Yeah. But and, I, and- I think it's something where below isn't ever really fully figured out and you can't wait on that yes absolutely yeah and you know Moz did did they had an amazing marketing team there and uh you know the marketing team did a very visual look at what our funnel looked like and you know that's kind of how we prioritized uh at Moz you know what to focus on you know if we saw that you know the benchmark that that we typically should be at or other companies like ours should be at you know we were way below or way higher from a churn perspective then we knew that okay there's there's the big opportunity right and you know it's funny a lot of saas companies they kind of forget about churn you know they think once a customer is gone they're gone but you know we've done a lot of, at moz we did a lot of reengagement campaigns and and uh, those were extremely effective and you know, from a pure time investment standpoint, you know, once you look at somebody that churns or, or is a customer maintaining or, or bringing, engaging people that had churned out, um, that was something that moved the needle a ton for us at Moz. Uh, and it definitely helped, uh, helped that stride as well. So you're over at Betaworks now. It's been a little bit of time since you were at Moz. You're at a new company with new goals. What are some of the, the new things that you're trying? I mean, I know BizDev is, is a pretty creative position in my mind. It's not just going out and like hunting down integrations to do and checking things off a list. So I'm curious um, how things have changed and what the, you know, the new things in, the, in BizDev that you're trying at, at Betaworks. Yeah, well, so I'm, I'm, I'm in more of a, an entrepreneur-in-residence uh, type role at Betaworks right now. So it, it's nice. I've, I've taken what I've, I've learned. I'm, I'm able to take what I've learned uh, in a BD function and, and apply it to a more general uh, entrepreneurial uh, standpoint. So basically, I'm, I'm working on a new product within Betaworks right now. So that's kind of where I'm focused on. So the, you know, it's more of the, the stride function than it was the, the Moz function uh, right now, which is, which is great. And, uh, you know, I spent a, quite a bit of time as well working across uh, Instapaper, I, I, uh, helping them move from, from paid to, to the freemium type model and I've been spending a bit of time with Dig and quite a, quite a few other companies in here. So it's, it's a really cool environment. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to spin up something new right now. Awesome. That's awesome. I didn't know Instapaper was in there. Yeah. I've been using them for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, we uh, we have dots in here as well, which is uh, a game that I have on my iPhone. Don't I even just, start. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Matt's addicted to that game. <laughs> well, cool. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, can you tell everybody where we can keep up with you online? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Andrew Dumont, and then uh, I maintain a personal blog every once in a while. That is just at uh, andrewdumont.me. Yeah, I, I contribute rate, rate, or occasionally on 99U and, and Inc. So uh, every once in a while, you'll catch me there as well. Great. Thanks awesome. so much. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocketship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. 
And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, where twice monthly we send out actionable advice for entrepreneurs and exclusive links to AMAs with our guests. That's rocketship.fm. Sign up today.